welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guests today are Dr. Alona Poldy and Dr. Matt Letterman. Dr. Poldy is a physician specializing in acupuncture and oriental and family medicine, and Dr. Letterman is an internal medicine physician and certified trainer of nonviolent communication. They served as vice presidents at Whole Foods, helping the company launch its medical and wellness programs. They have recently co-founded their new venture, We Heal, and have just released their new book, Wellness to Wonderful. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Alona is a family, is a physician. She's not only certified in family practice, and I did not know this. You're also a practitioner in acupuncture and oriental medicine. Is that right, Alona? I just did not know that. That is correct. Yeah. And then Matt is a um, internist, and he is both of them have been very active in the diet nutrition world, which to be blunt, is a little bit unusual in medicine. So they wrote a book and also worked on a film, Forks Over Knives, which most of you probably know of. And I'm excited about because they've taken a lot of concepts about general health and healing, their knowledge and diet. Um, I'm personally quite intrigued as a surgeon. I've just taken that whole world of um, oriental medicine and acupuncture center just blown it off. Um, I know now they have changed your body's physiology. I mean, it makes a dramatic effect on physiology. And so one of our goals is to connect medicine to the science, also integrating just the collective knowledge of East and West together in one whole. So they've, built, they've started a venture called We Heal, and they have a new book out called Wellness to Wonderful. And that's been my experience also is people learn healing concepts. They thrive at a level they just never understood before. So um, Mandalore, welcome, by the way. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Thank Thank you, for you having so us. much. And yeah. um, I'm going to start with Alona first. I, I know Matt really well. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try to, we'll break up the conversation a little bit. But I'll just give a background about, um, well, first of all, you, where did you two meet? You were in medical school, residency, or? Yeah, we met in residency. Okay. I was in residency, yes. <laughs> and then you both took a pathway, which is a little unusual in medicine. And so, Laura, I'm just curious how you, from a family practice standpoint, um, also became familiar with acupuncture and oriental medicine, et cetera. Yeah, I actually started with that first. I went to acupuncture and oriental medicine, just really fell in love with the concept of treating the whole body and the whole person over being a liver or a heart or a kidney or whatever that was. Um, and I really resonated with the philosophy. And at in acupuncture school, my mentor, who knew me very, very well, kept sharing with me that I'll never be satisfied with just oriental medicine. And at some point will want and should go to medical school. And she was right. And I did. And uh, it's been wonderful to be able to merge um, both Eastern and Western philosophies, and then kind of do something completely different, <laughs> which right. is nutrition and lifestyle. And that's something that I became more aware of when I met Matt. And then Matt, how did you end up in such a deep nutrition mode? 
Um, like a lot of different things, it was trying to improve or experiment in my own life. And then when I felt the difference, I didn't want to be plant-based or I didn't want to focus on nutrition. But when I found the difference or I experienced the difference, it was hard to go back. So I'm the type of guy that likes to say, hey, let me try it. And if it works great, if it doesn't, I'm done. And that's the same thing how I got connected with you, David, right? It was similar having pain, chronic pain issues and then saying, okay, well, this, this might sound a little weird, but I'm going to try it. And, if it. and it turned out to reverse my chronic back pain, unlike I ever experienced before. So yeah, once I you realize that, we actually met over your back pain, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I wanted to get, I was so desperate. I was exploring surgery even. Right. Months right. of months of pain that no matter what I did, wouldn't get better. So I want to jump back into that part of the story just for a second, because I want to come forward integrating what the three of us know collectively is you try things for back pain for a long period of time. You were in, you were a whole foods medical director at the time you were going through all this and you engage in some of the concepts that, again, I don't like to call them my concepts because we both know, for instance, let's take the doctrine for instance, or your process we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. It's just basically frameworks that allows access to known medical data in a way that can be accessible to clinicians and patients. I mean, the data is there. We're not inventing this stuff. We're just trying to bring to life what is. And I'll just rant just for a second. Medicine has sort of lost its soul. We're going down a rabbit hole of treating only symptoms and we're not creating health. We're actually treating disease way after the cat's out of the back. So anyway, so what was different about the healing concepts that seemed to turn you around? Well, I was doing the diet, you know, as I would, I would see it as perfect, right? I was following a perf perfectly clean diet, exercise regimen. I was doing all the basic wellness stuff and, and it wasn't getting better. So that was where I said, there's gotta be, and someone, you know, says, Hey, consider this other idea. And even though it sounded a little crazy to me, I'm the type of guy that explores it to prove it wrong. And when it doesn't, or when it actually works, I'll say, okay, well, this is fantastic. We got to share this with other people. So we bring it in. So to me, that's how these these pieces unfold. And that's what I think is exciting about what we do with our with our practice and in our our book is is we take all of these areas that we stand on the shoulders of experts and we put them together in an accessible way. Right. And it's almost like to me, it's it's almost like a primary care 2.0, right? We're expanding the way primary care should be looked at. All these modalities should be brought in. And then if you need experts, there's experts in all of these areas, right? There's neural pathway pain experts, there's nutrition, people that all they do is nutrition, and there's people that all they do is exercise, if you need that. But a lot of people don't even need that when they just get exposed to these, these concepts and tools. Well, I ask alone of this from a family practice standpoint. So my strong observation has been, and I, as you know, I was in chronic pain myself for 15 years, including 17 different physical mental symptoms, is that in medicine, we turn to treat one thing at a time. Let's, let's try mindfulness, let's try medications, let's try diet. And it's always a combination of things that helps treat it. It's never one thing in isolation. So everything helps to a significant degree, but nothing works by itself. So Alora, from a family practice standpoint, any comments on that? And I still think even in family practice, even though the mindset is kind of a general look at the person, there's still a reductionist 
theory around how to treat the symptoms that are most present. Um, and I think that's particularly so in conventional medicine where we have 10 or 15 minutes with a patient and there isn't enough time to really look into that whole picture. Right. You know, an acupuncture visit can take up to an hour. Right. And that's really getting mm -hmm. to know the person, getting to know not just what physically is happening to them, but where are they emotionally, mentally, socially, emotionally, because all of that impacts as well. So you don't have to answer this question, but did you have chronic pain issues also, or it was mostly Matt's journey that tweaked your interest? Um, I have had issues with, I've had a lot of gastrointestinal issues, chronic pain with that. Um, and I think, you know, Matt shared it. And I think that really is our MO is uh, it starts from a desire for personal improvement and wellness. And how do we impact our lives to make them more wonderful? And what we learn along the way is what we are passionate about sharing with others. Right. So you've obviously both had a lot of benefit from, from the principles we're talking about. So I'm just going to jump in a little different framework for a second. You know, we've come up with this term dynamic healing, where you look at persons' lives or circumstances, or the research term is allostatic load. You look at the state of the nervous system, whether it's hyperactive or resilient. You look at the body's physiology, which can be in fight or flight or safety. And we're going to sustain fight or flight while your body starts to break down. And you need fight or flight to survive but you have to minimize time there and maximize time and safety. So what's happening in traditional medicine, we don't know the person's circumstances or stresses, and we don't know who they are as far as their coping skills. And then we don't acknowledge the fact that stress creates physiology, threat physiology that translates into symptoms. So what we found out that by acknowledging the whole person's circumstances, their coping skills, helping them to regulate their physiology, symptoms disappear. And what we're doing in medicine, we're treating only the symptoms. We're not coming close to the root cause. So the thing that's been so striking to me personally is that when you get a person that's, for whatever reasons, allows them to get into safety physiology, it's not like that their symptoms just disappear. They actually heal. Your body actually regenerates. It's stunning to watch people's, their countenance transform, their personality, their skin changes, everything changes. But what people forget that it's borders are miraculous, but life is life itself is a miracle. And of course, I think healing's a miracle. I mean, if you didn't heal broken bones, what, what would our lives be like? So I think what we're all seeing, in fact, I know what we're all seeing is actually as we get out of the way to the body's healing capacity, that we actually watch people heal and thrive. And that's why I'm intrigued by your book from wellness to wonderful, because that's I think why all of us are so excited that that doesn't take a lot of resources and risks to do this. It's a matter of learning and engaging and learning the tools. So I'm curious from your from my perspective, um, we we're gonna go into the actual details of what you do in the we heal process in, in your book from Wellness to Wonderful. Um, but can either one of you just sort of give me just an overall feeling about the whole healing process. I mean, I, we can rant about medicine's problems for a long time, but I think why we're here is we really want to get people curious about, yeah, we can heal. But in medicine, I mean, 
chronic disease consider, is considered to be an untreatable problem. We sort of manage it, deal with it. But like you said, if we're dealing with only symptoms, we're not going to go anywhere. We have to and, go to the root cause. And what happens is in the conventional system, they talk about getting back to your baseline, which for a lot of people is mediocre to miserable. Right. Right. Or they say, I want to be within normal limits. Well, normal right. now is, uh, is unhealthy and unhappy for most people or for a lot of people, or right. at least a good part of their time. So you, we don't want to stop at normal. Uh, we don't want to stop at our baseline. We want to shoot way past that because you can't get to wonderful if you're just trying to avoid feeling miserable, right? right? If you point out all the things that are wrong and avoid them or stop them, you're not going to get to where you really want to be. So that's where we shifted that mindset and you have to know what right looks like. So you know, doctors start out, hey, what's wrong? But we want to, what we start with is, hey, what does right look like? Right? Right. That to me is a big paradigm shift. And then once we start figuring out, which is different for different people, we have the nine pillars that we focus on where you can usually start there to identify areas to tune into. And then at that point, it's just a personal journey and it's a lifelong journey. My nine right. pillars are always out of whack and I'm doing right. the best to tend to them, but I use that framework to check in and get myself back on the path whenever I veer off. So Matt, you and I have the same problem and that we have actually wives who monitor us whether they're actually conforming or not. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not that hard really, it takes persistence, but you said something that tweaked my attention is that, is not about being perfect and just doing this, this, and this. It's not a rigid process of doing this, this, and this. It's sort of an overall approach and sort of letting go and, and learning to enjoy your life. But if you're fighting off disease, it's hard to enjoy your life. So I think there's two parts of healing. One is actually learning how to process your threat physiology. The other one is learning how to thrive. And again, in the th- thriving mode, um, that's where people just, they really do thrive. I mean, it's exciting to talk about my practice, for goodness sakes. So Lana, what, from your perspective, as you watch people heal, what, what have been your observations in general? I think you nailed it, David, when people learn how to thrive. And you'd think, you know, when we watch children, they naturally like thrive, they play, they have joy, they're present. And somewhere along the line, we lose that and we end up in a survival mentality and a scarcity mentality, survival mode. We're on the hamster wheel, we're tired, exhausted, depleted. And we forget what does it mean to actually feel wonderful? What does it mean to find joy? What does it mean to experience happiness and, and, and thriving? What does that even mean? And so that to me is fascinating and eternally rewarding is to see people finding that state of life is wonderful. One thing that we have noted is that, you know, we have your body's either in fight or flight or in safety and the sensation generated when your body is in fight or flight is the word human to call the word anxiety, which is just threat physiology. And if you can't solve the problem and feel trapped, you become angry, which is hyperactivated threat physiology. And your body just starts breaking down. And so the data about, um, I like to have you comment on this because people uniformly keep asking this question because I think the answer is obvious to me now, but it wasn't always, is that, People look at stress as a psychological construct, 
And it's really just the overall challenges in life. I mean, there's all sorts of stresses that come in. So, you know, your finances, your pain, all these things are real threats, real challenges. So I'm curious in the medical world, I think also the public will use the word stress. Doctors sort of go, well, you're a wimp or you're, it's all in your head or you're just not dealing with it well, et cetera. And the stress is the response to the total body response to your challenges is what creates disease. So I'm just curious if what, as you have conversations with people about trying to change your paradigm of stress from a just quote psychological, and again, in medicine applied imaginary state to the physiological realm. How do you make that? How do you get people to make that transition? I think part of it is awareness. It's even, um, you know, we have the, again, we're connected to our symptoms. So what are the symptoms of stress? Well, when I feel X, Y, and Z, I'm stressed, but we don't realize the internal toll that it takes. And so connecting to those sensations, having that self connection to what am I actually feeling? What am I sensing? And then translating that to what am I needing in this moment, I think that awareness is really transformational. Yeah, you know, that's a really great point that I had not really thought of so clearly is that, okay, with the physical symptoms like your stomach's upset, we have a migraine headache. And so we give a lot of meaning to it about why it occurs or doesn't occur. And you're right, we don't separate our identity from these symptoms in a way, they get sort of melded together. And I think that's a really, really good point about the awareness factor. Um, I know. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, and I and in nonviolent communication, one of the core concepts is that your feelings are stimulated from your needs being met or not met. Oh, your right. feelings are stimulated by the needs, your needs, whether they're being met or not. So, if I'm experiencing needs being met, I'm going to feel pleasant feelings, and if I'm experiencing needs not being met. I'm going to feel unpleasant feelings. So when I'm, my need for safety is not met, I might feel scared, worried, anxious, nervous, right? If right. my need for safety is met, I might feel comfortable, secure, happy, peaceful. Right. So to me, it's when you get all of a sudden, when you can learn a needs-based consciousness and you can learn to discern what's going on inside of you, you can then be empowered to start taking action to better meet your needs. And so many people that are, for example, will see are depressed. And you ask, what are your needs that, that are not being met? And they'll start criticizing themselves. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a failure, or I'm no good at anything, or, you know, and those that they don't, but I say, hey, what are your needs? I didn't, I didn't ask, what do you think about yourself? Right. I asked, what are your needs? And what we'll find is once you get clear on what your needs are, immediately, whether you meet them or not, you start to experience a state of inner peace. And then right. from there, we can start making requests of ourselves or other people to take action to meet our needs. And that gets us right on the journey towards life is wonderful. Yeah, let me rephrase this a little bit. So we have some type of challenge, whether we're conscious of it or not, we get triggered. So we have this uncomfortable sensation that we call anxiety, which drives human behavior, actually drives Avoiding the sensation drives all animal behavior. It's a threat signal. And so then we don't necessarily recognize that, okay, this is a physiological response and we put a psychological meaning to it. And I think what you both said, this concept of awareness, okay, my body's talking to me, it's giving me signals. 
and we create stories to rationalize it, but we don't know what to do with it. And that's what I think is exciting to the three of us is that, okay, most things in life you can't control. You can't control your thoughts. You can't control most circumstances, but you have a choice of how you react to them. You have a choice of your reaction. So instead of being stress automatic survival response, it's, it's stress, a little bit of space. They start choosing different responses. And what I didn't know in medical school is this concept of neuroplasticity. And I'm a little bit before your time, actually more before your time than I like to think. But in medical school, we didn't think the brain changed at all. We just thought of this sort of circuit board. And now we know there's 80 billion neurons. They change by the millisecond. It's incredibly neuroplastic where the brain changes really quickly. So I think that that word awareness is really a big deal. Um, so you actually can change your response um, by your choice, but again, you have to understand the problem first. So education is a big deal. <clears throat> so and as humans, we're able, that's something that's great is that we don't have to just try and avoid uncomfortable feelings. A lot of people do that. And what happens is it leads to a lot of suffering. If your only motivation in life is to avoid discomfort, right? Avoid anxiety, go away from that. You're going you're gonna to wind up suffering and not experiencing a lot of meaning and peace and joy in life. So what we have the ability to do is say, oh, I'm feeling uncomfortable. All right, let me pause and self-connect. And that takes a little bit of skill and practice. But once you can do that, you can be so much more effective and much more likely to enjoy life. And I think the gift that it gives you beyond, in addition to that is choice, right? That you are in choice. So when we get wrapped up in the symptoms, we think I have a headache. I need to do this for that headache. I have stomach pain. This is what I need to do versus what need is not connecting to the self saying what need is not being met and then expanding the strategies from which to meet that need. Right. So if it's a need for safety, it might not be an Advil, right? Because right, when people have stomach pain, they immediately start taking Pepto-Bismol or they have a headache and they take Advil, right? Right. And you've talked about earlier, right? The symptoms. But if you're like, hey, I'm not sleeping well. Okay, well, that's affecting it. Hey, I'm eating in a way that's not supporting a health, you know, health program. Okay, so now I have some opportunities there. Oh, and immediately I'm in this high alert state. My nervous system is completely dysregulated. So now all of a sudden I have some choice and power versus taking the Pepto-Bismol or the Advil and, and hoping that it goes away. But eventually, why do you see people? Because those right. don't work anymore. Right, right. So what I'd like to do, this is obviously we could talk again for hours, but um, so I get a feel for the background of how you approach things. And mm -hmm. I think all of us that are involved in this way of healing, and again, I think you feel the same way. It's not us. These are concepts that have been around for millennia. I mean, although I didn't realize you had the background in the oriental medicine, but it just makes sense that things that work would have maintained I mean, they would have been carried on generation to generation. So even though they didn't have the exact science back then, it doesn't matter. I mean, things that they did to help heal people kept passing on through the ages. And so right now, medicine has gone way off in the surgical track. We've disconnected from our patients. We've disconnected from ourselves. And our health in, in our country, particularly, is just going down the toilet very quickly here. Um, so basically um 
again, your efforts have been really remarkable, but right now they have a new platform called WeHeal, W-E-H-E-L, one word, dot health. W-E-H-E-A-L? W-E-H-E-A-L, yeah, I'm health. Right, and so is that platform live yet? Is that starting? Yep, yes. Okay, and then the book is Wellness to Wonderful, which I'm assuming you can find on Amazon and other places. Yep. And when did that get released? We're launching it May 1st. So oh, okay. By the, by the time. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, I'm excited about your new efforts. And again, I think it takes a village to get all this stuff going. And any final comments you have to the audience today? Yeah, it's it's the perfect is the enemy of the good, right? A lot of people are going to be feeling just, you know, just sort of frustrated. It, you know, oh, another opportunity. I've tried so many times. And really what we're doing is trying to make it accessible. It's doable. It's not about being perfect. It's about knowing what the path towards wonderful looks like and then being able to identify when you're off the path as well as tools and support to get you back on the path. It's right. not about staying on the path and never falling off. So me, once you have that awareness and that support, it's uh, it makes life a lot better. How about you, Lona? Any thoughts? Yeah, I think the same is that, you know, there's a, every there's an individual pace and, you know, it might seem overwhelming. We have these nine pillars. Where do I start? How do I start? And I think um, one of the things that we do both in Wellness to Wonderful and in We Heal is not just present the problem, but really support the solution. Right. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you very, very much. And I appreciate your time. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. I'd like to thank our guests, Dr. Alona Poldy and Dr. Matt Litterman, for being on the program today and for sharing the core concepts of their approach to healing, moving from normal limits to wonderful. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.